On this week's episode of the Shut Up and Build Bikes podcast, I share my interview with Bina Belinke of the Philly Bike Expo. Each week on the Shut Up and Build Bikes podcast, I get on the phone and I talk to somebody in the bike frame building world. And we have a conversation that I share with all of you. And I try and have conversations that are about perspectives and ideas, especially. Uh, There'll be a little bit about technique and there'll be a little bit about, you know, I want to tell people stories and stuff. But I especially want it to be about, you know, passion and ideas and like, why do we care about frame building? And, you know, what do we think is maybe wrong with the 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 dominant culture the specialized and the treks and the giants that we're trying to correct or whatever it is uh you know i like talking about ideas and that's what we do here and this week's guest is bina belinke and so she owns and runs the philly bike expo the philly bike expo is in philadelphia as you might imagine and it's every year this year is the 10th year running it's in November generally, and so this year it's November 2nd and 3rd, which is a Saturday and a Sunday. And so you can buy tickets, uh, and then you can go to the show, and as you're walking the show floor, you're going to see a lot of beautiful handmade bikes. The show is not specifically a handmade bike show, and so you'll also see lots of other smaller bike companies. I think Jameis has a booth there and some other... Uh, you know, production bike companies have booze there. There's uh, component companies, usually Paul Component and White Industries are going to be there. Paragon Machine Works, which is, uh, you know, a really super important company to the bike frame building world is there. And uh, of course, there's lots of, uh, you know, clothes and different cycling related things, cycle advocacy groups. Uh, Drew Godalian from Engine Cycles always has a big and prominent booth. You know, he's right in Philadelphia. He's sort of uh, like the frame building ambassador of the show almost, I think, in an unofficial capacity. Uh, Stephen Belinke, of course, always has a bunch of beautiful bikes there. You know, uh, Bina Belinke is Stephen Belinke's daughter, and so they started the show together, and now Bina runs and operates the show, and she does a terrific job. If you ask anyone who shows there, they're going to say that Bina is doing an awesome job. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you got you got to come to the show, buy your tickets and make your plans now to come to the show. If you are thinking about exhibiting and showing stuff, uh, the booth selection is getting very limited. The, they're running out of space. I just booked recently and there was not a whole lot of space left and I had to choose not a prime location, but I'll be there. So, um, yeah, our guest is Bina Belinke and, uh, I think she has a really interesting perspective because she... I uh, grew up around the frame building stuff that her dad was doing and helping him out. And so she knows the frame building world and she knows bikes. And now she's running this show every year for the last 10 years. And, um, you know, she has a little bit of a different vantage point to the the questions around bike frame building than uh, than our normal guests. And, uh, you know, these the, the bike frame building world doesn't happen without uh, trade shows. And so I think it's really important to cover different perspectives on the show than just the frame builders themselves. And I, I want to try and convince as many of you as I can to come to the trade show for a number of reasons. First of all, I think it's a great show and you're going to enjoy yourselves. Uh, I think Bina deserves it because she does such hard work that you should go 
just to make her happy. <laughs> um, I would like to see as many people at the show as I can get there because, you know, I want to meet people and talk to people and stuff. But you should go for your own sake. And I say that because if you're listening to the show, you're probably really interested in frame building and maybe you do some yourself, right? When, when I first went to the Philly Bike Expo in 2014, it was better than I really thought it was even going to be. Uh, I, I would always look on, you know, like uh, John Watson had the website, probably is not probably, it's now the Radivist. And when I was younger and into frame building, I would look at photo sets that he would post from NABs and different bike trade shows. And, you know, anywhere that there was press coverage of a bike trade show and you'd see pictures of the beautiful handmade bikes, I would be gobbling that up. And when I went to a show in person, I didn't realize how much different it was going to be, but it's really, it's terrific. Like, you, uh, you get to see the beautiful bikes, but you get to see them in person, which is awesome. And then what's way more important, I think, is like the human connection, that you get to meet the people whose work that you've studied and who you really look up to. And turns out most bike frame builders are super approachable and friendly people. And they're probably, most of them are pretty like fun and charming people to talk to. Uh, I remember when I went the first year, uh, I met a bunch of frame builders and probably the one that I was most excited to see was Chris Bishop. And uh, I got to hang out with him some, like outside of the show even. I went to dinner with him and a bunch of other people and his wife. And like, they're all super nice to me. And uh, I share a little story about that in the interview with Bina. But uh, it was great. And like to get to meet these people uh, is pretty amazing. And I, I would say, you know, for that reason, you really need to consider going to the show. Another really powerful reason is not just to meet builders, but like, for me over the years, I've strengthened some of my favorite relationships with other builders and friends of mine through going to these shows. And I've met some really good friends at these shows. Uh, my friend Zach and my friend Miles are two people that come to mind that I met at these shows that I probably would have met them at some point otherwise, but they're like two really good friends of mine that I met uh, at uh, both of them at Philly Bike Expo. So like, <laughs> Uh, I'm glad that these things exist. You're going to meet like-minded people who are pretty cool and interesting when you go to these shows. Another really good reason to go to these shows is uh, there are seminars. So like while you're walking the show floor, you can look at your like, what is it? Like your program or your pamphlet or whatever. And it'll list all the seminars that are going on. And you want to circle the ones and maybe set a reminder in your phone or something for the ones that you want to go to. And there'll be There'll be ones about wheel building and about bike fitting and about cycling advocacy, like maybe how to try and convince your chamber of commerce to put in bike lanes or something like that. And then there will be ones that are more related to frame building. And I'll never forget the one that I went to where Gary Helfrich was talking about the history of Merlin and how they figured out how to build titanium bikes. Uh, he was talking about how you know, they were in Boston in the 80s and uh, they figured you could make a bike out of titanium and they didn't know how. And I think he said they knew some people at MIT and they would ask them and they say, well, you know, it's aerospace stuff. So you got to weld that inside of a purge chamber where the entire space is filled with argon. And, and he's like, well, that's, we're not going to, that's not going to happen. You know, it's a whole bike frame. Like we don't have that kind of budget. And so they had to figure out how to do it. Uh, you know, like you couldn't just back then you couldn't just go to UBI and like, you couldn't just read about it on the internet. Like there weren't procedures for how to do that. And so they had to figure it out. And that's really interesting. They had to figure out how to get tubes of diameters that you couldn't buy. So they had to like make parts to fit them and they had to like swage the tubes out and like, it was crazy. And uh, there's all sorts of really cool seminars that you're going to hear about when you, uh, you know, 
your seminars you're going to want to go to when you go to the show, they're really worth a lot, I think. Um, and then there'll be panels, like panel discussions, like sometimes there'll be like a frame builder Q&A or something. I think the seminars are really valuable. There's also after parties. So like the social component of the show where you get to meet people and stuff is great. And I would say if you're interested in frame building and you're not going to be anybody's customer, you should walk the show floor and you should say hi to all the frame builders, chat with them for a minute when they're maybe not busy talking to anyone else. You know, like if you see a frame builder just kind of standing there, feel free to like talk to them for a couple minutes and say, hi, I love frame building too. And then I think generally, you know, kind of get out of their way before too long and then go to the after parties Friday night and Saturday night and talk to different people, uh, you know, when, when they're not maybe trying to sell bikes or make connections with potential bike customers. That's what I would say, uh, because, uh, it's a really good networking opportunity. Uh, when you go to these shows, you know, you want to know your peers and, uh, if you can meet your heroes of frame building, that's really cool. And just, you know, respect that they've paid a lot of money to have a booth and they put a lot of work into showing their, their stuff. And, uh, frame builders typically love talking about their work because in your day-to-day life as a frame builder, you don't always have anyone, to share that work with, uh, who cares, you know, like maybe your family and your friends don't really get it. And so to talk to other frame builders and frame building nerds is awesome. Uh, but you know, maybe if you're not going to be a customer, there's keep it to a couple minutes and then pick up the conversation in the evening at an after party or something. Uh, that's my general advice. So, uh, anyway, you definitely should go to bike trade shows and the Philly bike expo is freaking awesome. If you can swing it, if you can make it to the show, I think you're going to have a blast, and I'd love to see you there. This week's episode is brought to you by one of my tools. It's called the Miter Buddy. This tool allows you to hold the tapered tip end of a chainstay or a seat stay or a fork blade. I'm thinking like traditional steel tubes. Um, sometimes titanium tubes also have this situation where it's like a tapered tube, and you want to hold this tube uh, without crushing it or anything so that you can like miter it on the milling machine. And uh, in order to do that work holding, you need a tool that can hold tapered tubing. And that's tricky. And so I developed my tool. It's called the Miter Buddy. And it's in my web store, uh, cobraframebuilding.com. And you can buy this tool and uh, it makes it really easy to hold onto those tubes and to make a measured cut to a particular angle with a particular hole saw or a slitting saw or whatever. And uh, you do that, that first cut or something, and then you're, you're off to the races with the next step in your frame. There isn't really another tool that anybody makes that does this other than I'm thinking like the Anvil main tube mitering fixture uh, sort of does this, although you can't buy that anymore. And uh, it's a whole expensive and complicated contraption. So I wanted to make a small little tool that would do that. And, uh, and it just goes in your, your little milling machine vise on a vertical mill, allows you to do the cut and then walk away get on with the next thing uh, I think you should check that out if if you've ever had that problem where you can't you can't rigidly hold on to the tube to make a nice cut on the milling machine uh, or you do get a good hold on it and then you take it out of the vise and you've like left little indentations in the tube from the way that you were holding it uh, it's a really simple and and, and nice nice solution I think uh, worth checking out if you got a frame building shop Anyway, uh, where the interview starts, uh, I asked Bina to sort of tell me about what her title is and her role is exactly with the show. I am the event director and the owner of the expo. Uh, 
and we are headed into our 10th year. Wow. Now, when it started, did you, were you in that position when you started? Um, no, we actually started it the year that I was finishing up college. Um, so I was definitely in an event organizer role, um, but it was sort of shared with a few other people. Um, and then probably by the second year, um, I was the event director. Um, wow. And then somewhere along the line, um, we separated it from Belenke Cycle Works, um, just, you know, because it was getting bigger. And um, I took over ownership of the expo. Yeah. And especially since we all know that my dad has a frame building shop to run, uh, it was a little, a little much <laughs> for him. Yeah. And, uh, what was, what do you know about the sort of like impetus or the, the, the beginning of the show, what the idea was there? What was the sort of driving considerations? Was that your dad's idea completely or? Yeah. So it was my dad's brainchild for sure. Um, I started out working with him as a child, really don't, don't tell child labor laws. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I started out, you know, as a kid in the shop, I'd help him like sort bank slips and that sort of thing. Um, And then as a teenager, moved more into, um, you know, marketing and customer service role. Um, I worked in office and answered phones, um, sold bikes, all that good stuff. Um, And so with that marketing role, I would attend shows with him. And every time we'd go to a show, we'd be like, hey, why isn't there something like this that's good? Like, something like this on the East Coast would be awesome. Yeah. And, you know, after several years of that, we were just like, huh, well, you know, I guess we're going to have to do it ourselves if we want it. Um, so my dad, along with um, Simon Firth, who was um, working with him at the shop at the time, um, and a couple other folks from Philly, um, and myself got it off the ground that first year. Um, you know, started on the small side, but was still like super successful for a first year. Um, we were in a cool little alternative venue called the 23rd Street Armory. Mm-hmm. Um, we had 65 exhibitors. Um, and then I guess in 2013, which was our fourth year, um, we moved to the Pennsylvania Convention Center. Um, and now we're you know, in a hundred and four thousand square foot hall, and have two hundred plus exhibitors. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. I think the first year that I went was twenty fourteen, and by that point, it looked fairly similar to how it looks now. And um, so I didn't get to see it kind of grow from uh, from the very beginning. But uh, I think it's a great show. I think you do a great job of making sure that everything happens and. Um, you know, trying to help every exhibitor be uh, prepared with the things that they need and, and answering questions and helping people figure stuff out. And uh, I think it's a great show. And I think you're doing a great job. Thank you. That's nice to hear. <laughs> and I, I mean, that's the, that's the sense that, like, you talk to other people who are exhibiting and stuff, and they say, oh, being, oh she's doing a great job. Man, this show <laughs> is great. Everybody really appreciates the work that you do. Uh, and so I say that um, as appreciation to you, but also for folks who haven't uh, exhibited at the show or been to the show, um, that's that's the kind of um, <laughs> that's the kind of show that it is. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, how much do you see a show like the Philly Bike Expo being a show for handmade bicycle culture specifically, like the handmade component, 
Uh, and how much is it about cycling and cycling advocacy more generally? So our vision has always been inclusivity, um, something for everyone. It goes back to that byline of artisans, activists, and alternatives. So our goal is really to expand on all of those things and not specialize in just one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're all about promoting self-propelled fun. Uh, you know, it's about all the bikes and all the cyclists, um, all levels, ages, and disciplines. Um, you know, we really want it to be a cycling celebration for yep. bike enthusiasts um, of all stripes. And, you know, enthusiasts can be, you know, fabricators and makers, uh, tech geeks, fitness and nutrition. Uh, you know, we get into the advocacy side with infrastructure and policy, um, history, culture, um, you know, car-free lifestyle and self-reliance. And then, of course, like touring, commuting, um, and then competition and just being on the bike in general. Um, so, yeah, we really try and encompass all of it. And, um, you know, we do that with our exhibitors, too, Um And so even though we've grown, like I said, you know, we're 200 plus exhibitors now, um, we still have a really great contingent of builders every year. Um, You know, we make that a priority as that's, you know, an important part of our foundation. Obviously, it's in our blood. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think you can see that when you go to the show and you walk the floor that there's a lot of. There's, there's no like lack of handmade stuff going on, uh, but there's a lot of other things too, which I think is a good balance because if it was uh, solely handmade related stuff, I think it would maybe have less appeal to the average cyclist or like the average person. And so getting a mix of it is kind of cool because it, it exposes people to like uh, the handmade component without people having to have gone specifically just to see uh, fancy custom bikes. Right. And so those people may not have known before that they were going to be into handmade bikes. You know, they might not have even really been exposed to it yet. Um, So having all the different variety of exhibitors that we do brings in all types of attendees and, um, you know, essentially new customers. Mm -hmm. Uh, How has the show changed and evolved over the years? Like, has it just been kind of organic that it's just kind of grown a little bit and you've refined things? Or have there been uh, more, like, conscious shifts of the way that things were going to work? Or, um, I don't know, like, how how is it so, how is it different now than when you started? Um, I guess it's happened pretty organically. Um, You know, I have refined a lot of things over the years. Um, just, you know, from an organizational standpoint um, and with our promotion um, and just, you know, what comes with being in a large venue like the convention center. Um, You know, we've also had to make a conscious effort to, um, you know, always be, you know, recruiting builders um, and making sure that we keep that grassroots framework that we started with, um, you know, as that can be harder once you move to kind of like a commercial venue. Um, We still wanted to keep that like family and grassroots vibe. Um, But with, you know, growing it so that it was a worthwhile um, business opportunity for folks. Yeah. And also like, I guess, and that's, 
And we've done like certain things like that, like we do like our booth sharing. So that's one thing that's mm-hmm. kind of like unusual with some shows. Um, you know, we want to keep it affordable um, for um, the smaller companies. And we do have some like tiered pricing that we offer for our, you know, frame builders and, you know, micro companies mm-hmm. um, so that it's still accessible for them. Yeah, I had last year, I exhibited in a booth with uh, Peter Olivetti, and uh, so we shared a little space, and that worked out great because he had, I think, two or three bikes, probably three bikes, and then I had a table with some of the tools that I make and sell, and it was nothing that I couldn't fit in half of a booth, and, uh, and you know, he had, I actually, he was, he had most of the booth most of the weekend because I felt like it was my job to walk the show floor and talk to other builders in their booths because I thought, I don't know, I don't know if I agree with that logic anymore, but at the time that was what I thought, and so that's what I was doing. But anyway, uh, you know, splitting a booth was really useful for me at that time uh, because, you know, saved some money, and it was sort of a last-minute decision to, to join the show. I'm glad I did. And, um, and, you know, it worked out really well for me to do that this year. I have a full booth, but, uh, being able to split the booth is really, I think a really, uh, valuable thing to be able to offer. Yeah, definitely. Cause we just, you know, obviously some of it is unavoidable as far as cost with the convention center. Um, but it's really important to us to, um, keep our foundation of artisans and frame builders. So, you know, we do whatever we can to, um, keep it accessible. Yeah. I wanted to say, uh, I think networking is a really important part of the show that like before I went to any of these shows, I didn't realize how much like getting to know other builders and stuff was going to matter to me. And so I think when I would think about the cost benefit of like driving five hours or whatever to get to Philadelphia and then go to the show and figure out a place to stay and stuff as like just a visitor, or you know, as a spectator, um, to see it all. I was like, well, you know, I can see pictures of pretty, pretty bikes anywhere. And the, I think the reason to go, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, or if you're a builder and you're maybe not ready to exhibit yourself, I think the big reason to go is to network and stuff because I was able to uh, meet all these different people that I looked up to. And uh turns out they're really friendly, mostly. <laughs> pretty much everybody who makes yeah. bikes that I meet tends to be really friendly and welcoming and I remember I, I met Chris Bishop in 2014 when I was there and I had a bike that I had made with me and I was going out to dinner with him and a group of people and he was like n- making notes about the different parts of the frame. He said, oh yeah, this is hard to do. This is a pretty good work you did here. And like it meant so much to me to to get to know some of these people that I really looked up to. Um, and so on that note of networking and stuff, I know there's usually like Friday night and Saturday night, there'll be some sort of particular after party or something. Do you know uh, if those are like if the venues for those have been chosen yet, or 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 networking related stuff more generally? If you know anything about what's going on this year, so we'll definitely be doing our Friday evening vendor bender at Earth and Wilson Transport Cycle. Excellent. Um, that's become a tradition, um, and then we usually do some sort of industry party on Saturday evening. Um, we have something special 10th anniversary in the works in the way of an indoor cross race. Whoa. Um, but there is style still lots to work out. So you'll have to stay tuned on that, but we definitely, um, want to do something, you know, super special for it being our 10th anniversary. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I think, you know, for me, I, I would like to sell some stuff, of course, uh, since you're paying for the booth and, and the time to get there. But um, just, you know, to see all the people that you, all your sort of industry buddies that you only ever see when you go to the shows and uh, those kinds of parties and, you know, going out to dinner with people and stuff. That's always so much fun. That's half the reason that, that you keep coming back to these things is just to see all the, the people that you like. And, um, and Yeah, then, we try and keep it. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was no. just going to say that we try and keep it like a low pressure situation, you know, so that even though it is a trade show, um, that you get to hang out and party and ride and brainstorm with colleagues. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a, it's great to just bring together all the people, you know, like frame building tends to be something that you can do from anywhere and kind of, you know, sell your stuff through the internet and you don't need to be tapped into a local community, which is you know, convenient for people like me who live sort of away from other frame building folks, but, uh, but then it's kind of isolating and it's really nice to, to actually see everybody at the shows. Uh, <clears throat> Eric, who does the Boston bike builders ball, uh, I think that's the name of it. And, uh, that was in, or it's the new England builders ball. Anyway, that, yeah, that's new in England Boston builders. last year that was in September and I went to that and that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, I think this year he's moved it. So it's going to be next April, but, uh, you know, it's a similar sort of thing. Um, and you know, it's just great to like bring the people together. I just, I just love doing that. Yeah. He puts on a good show. Yeah. And I always see him uh, at your show too. He'll be he'll be walking around and saying hi to people. And... Yeah, last year he came and brought me a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then another thing that I think is really great about uh, you, you know your show is the seminars and the workshops and stuff. I remember years ago I went to one where uh, Gary Helfrich was talking about the history of Merlin through the eighties. Uh, you know the company in Boston that he was. I don't know if he owned it or if he was one of the, one of the, you know, smart, smart people working there, exactly what, what it was. But anyway, they, they were figuring out, you know, titanium bike fabrication before it was really known how you would do that. You know, I think he later went on to teach at UBI uh, through the 90s, I believe, uh, some of the uh, titanium welding courses. And that's, you know, that's how people learn how to do that now is like they, they ask someone who already knows how to weld bikes, but back then they didn't know. And he was telling the story and Gary is just a character. He's a really funny guy. He's really fun. Uh, I really enjoyed that seminar. I will always remember that one. And there's a bunch of other seminars that I've been to also, uh, you know, while you're at the convention center, you just, uh, you know, you're looking at the schedule and you say, Oh yeah, nine 30 today or whatever time it is. There's a one and then you go down to some other room what do you know about the seminars this year do you have any of them scheduled yet or do you have any in mind that you're trying to get that would be of particular interest to frame builders yeah definitely um we have a, a bunch scheduled already um there's more to come uh we usually end up with about 25 of them maybe 30 and so some that i think would be of interest to frame builders or frame building enthusiasts um, Richard Schwinn is going to do the first wave of American Builder. Oh, cool. Um, so that's really cool. Yes, kind of starting with like Albert Eisentrout forward, you know, Ben Serrata, Bill Davidson, um, Tom Ritchie. And then he's also going to be organizing um, a vintage concourse kind of in conjunction, which will include a tribute to Bruce Gordon. Mm -hmm. um, so here's a public call to anyone who has a Bruce Gordon bike. Um, they can get in touch with us if they want to bring it. Oh, cool. Um, 
So that's a really cool one. Richard Schwinn um, always, you know, presents really great seminars. Um, he's a super engaging speaker, um, and everyone usually has a great time. Um, we're going to be doing on the demo floor a few things, um, like wheel building. Um, this woman, Jessica, from the West Coast, from British Columbia, she comes and does our wheel building. She's amazing. Um, we're also going to do kind of like a gravel bike fit setup demo. Um, we have some, um, you know, cyclists gone triathletes come back to cyclists um, on our crew. And so they've been kind of noticing the trend of like the ultra endurance gravel with the aero bars. And so we might get into something like that um, just for like talking about, you know, endurance gravel bike setup. Um, we're going to do um, a fit panel made up of um, fitters from all over. Um, we have, you know, some fitters coming from Chicago and New York um, to sit on this. And then another cool one is um, there's a sociology professor um, named Ben Brewer. He's um, at James Madison. He's, his interest is in how uh, like artisan craft producers are, you know, making a living within the context of like a larger global bike trade. Mm -hmm. um, so he's been compiling a survey of frame builders. Um, so he's going to do a presentation on his like preliminary results. Um, and I know he's hoping to get some, you know, some more, feedback from builders mm -hmm. um, on that. I think he said he has like a hundred responses so far. So that should be pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I think I met Craig, him at NABS and, and he told me a little oh, bit yeah, about that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So we're excited about that. I think it'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and then Craig Calfee is going to do a uh, carbon frame repair. Uh, let's see. Mike Cohn from Boulder Bicycle is doing something on Japanese 10 speed design highlights. Whoa. Um, and then we're going to do like an advanced manufacturing seminar for builders. Um, Julian Petalino of Petalino Bikes is going to be on that. Oh, that's um, great. We'll have to chat with my dad to see who else is <laughs> going to be on that. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to do a mechanic competition, mm -hmm. uh, which should be fun. Um, and then we're going to have something on frame design by Georgina Terry. Oh, cool. Um, wow. I yeah, remember so I saw we got, we got a lot. There was a YouTube video I saw like in like 10 years ago or something when I was first getting into bikes that I saw that uh, she did where she's talking about proportional wheel sizing and, you know, for shorter riders, putting a smaller wheel on the yeah. front. But that was a YouTube video that she had done. And I didn't, that was helpful to me when I was first <clears throat> trying to understand bike design at all, because, you know, YouTube didn't used to have any sort of content related to that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, this, you know, it's kind of getting away from being like gender specific mm -hmm. now, but they're still like individual specific. Yeah. Um, so she has great insight, you know, on um, geometry uh, for smaller riders. Yeah. Um, so I'm more excited to have her back. Um, she spoke, I think, in 2014. So um, we're ready to have uh, some Georgina again. That's great. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to those. Hopefully I can sneak away to one or two of those, uh, while I'm at the show. I know. Isn't that the problem? I yeah. never get to see any of them. I told someone this year, I forget what the seminar was, but something that I wanted to, you know, learn about. And I said, well, I'll let you present on that. If you promise to film it for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. You had me on a, a panel last fall with, 
like uh, Alec from from White Industries and Drew Goldalian, I think, was like the moderator. And uh, who else was on the panel? I, Peter Olivetti was on the panel and uh, one or two other people. And anyway, it, it was, was about, a frame builder panel, but I can't remember what the focus was. It was about like the standards of things, you know, and like, oh, I, I feel like yeah, one of the and, themes... Like, yeah, and like, you know, uh, are we being Luddites to say that we're tired of all these new standards all the time? Or are <laughs> they actually, it, you know, is the new tech actually significantly better than the old tech that it's it's worth having to deal with all these new standards all the time or something to that effect? And I didn't feel like I was a thousand percent the most qualified to talk about it, but I enjoyed being on the panel and I spoke just a little bit. And then uh, it was funny, a couple weeks later, I was in like New York and someone said, hey, I saw you on that panel. And it was like not at a bike function. And I was like really surprised that somebody recognized me from that panel. That was like a weird coincidence. But anyhow, um, it's cool that, uh, you know, you you pick different exhibitors and stuff to... to speak on the panels and uh, try and get a variety of voices to, you know, to, yeah, to talk about stuff. Cause everybody comes to the show with some sort of expertise or experience or something. And it's cool to, to get people together talking about the stuff that they know about. Yeah. And we always, um, you know, give priority for our seminars to our exhibitors or sponsors. Um, you know, it's a way to get, you know, added exposure and um, increase your visibility at the show. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we always pull from our exhibitors um, for seminar presenters. Yeah, exactly. And I think that makes sense because, you know, within the pool of the people who are exhibiting at your show, like there's tons of expertise there about all sorts of topics. yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, I was wondering if you had any tips for exhibitors for how they can best prepare for a show like this. Um, because I remember that was one of the things when I first started going to shows that was like, I had to like justify to myself driving all the way to Philly to go to the show. Cause I, for whatever reason I was, I was like, well, you know, I gotta have reasons. And I was like, you know, if I go and I, I look and see how people are doing it and I get ideas about how to be prepared, that's great. And you know, so anyway, I learned, <clears throat> I learned that, that you don't need to justify to yourself to go to one of these shows. There's tons of reasons to go and it's super useful, but, uh, but it was helpful to like walk around and see, um, the way that people would set up their booths and, and try and get an idea about how to be prepared. Uh, I'm curious if you have any tips yeah, to people for like how they can really be ready to exhibit. Um, so the first thing I would say is promotion. I think when folks are exhibiting at a show, they forget that, um, you know, promoting on their end is, you know, a benefit for all. Um, so I'm always, you know, excited to see exhibitors, um, you know, posting process photos of bikes that they're building and tagging the expo. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as we all know, with social media, that all gets like shared around and, um, you know, boosted. Um, So that's always, you know, something that should be done to prepare. Mm -hmm. Um, Also having any kind of, you know, banners and literature and that sort of stuff um, ready to go. Um, lighting, lighting is always helpful with, um, custom bikes, you know, just to really like showcase them. I mean, not necessary, but, um, you know, that kind of spotlight lighting, um, definitely helps. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't recommend tents. Um, people like them for branding, but it makes it very dark. Yeah. Um, 
uh, being organized and not being late for setup. Yeah. Um, because then that just, you know, kind of sets you off in a, a late, a yeah. late start. And, mm-hmm. Um, you can't get your display, you know, as nice as you would like. And then also I get mad at you. <laughs> um, but yeah, our show is like, it's pretty laid back. Um, you know, all the pipe and drape and table and chairs is there and ready for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you really don't have to bring a whole lot. Obviously, bike stands are important. Um, and then also not, like, if you're just going with a 10 by 10 to not overcrowd your booth because you want it to be, like, open and inviting for people. Um, and so you want them to be able to, like, come in and walk around the bikes. And if there's too many bikes, then people are just going to kind of stand in the aisle and, um, you know, may not come in and interact mm-hmm. um, as long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it should be <clears throat> fun and inviting, and I think, yeah, open like that, like you're saying, those are all really good tips. Uh, one thing is just that it's exhausting, right, to be on your feet for, like, two days straight yeah. after however long you had to drive to get there and back, and, like, the load-in is on Friday, and who knows how many hours you're going to spend setting everything up. Um one of the things that I remember somebody pointed out to me when I was asking them about their setup was to have, like, carpet. And whether it's, you know, it can look like whatever you want, but if it's got a little bit of a squish factor to it, it really makes standing on your feet the whole weekend a lot more reasonable. And then I noticed someone else, too, was saying, oh, you got to have stools. Like, don't have a chair and sit in a chair, because if you're sitting down in a chair, you're less approachable. But if you have multiple stools, you could set this up like a bar or something if you wanted to, I suppose. But if you have multiple stools, then someone can sit down with you, and you can both be sitting and even if you stand most of the weekend, to be able to sit on occasion is really nice. And I remember when I did, when I did, I showed bikes in 2016, and uh, and I did have some stools, and it was it was super helpful. <laughs> yeah, carpeting for sure. That like kind of foam padding um, definitely makes a difference. I found that just like switching up your shoes every day. Like I found that even the most comfortable shoes, if I wear them for the three days in a row, yeah, it's like worse. Yeah. So I always switch up my shoes. And then, like you said about the stools is a great idea because, um, you know, I, I can't, I don't remember exact names, but, you know, several builders tell me each year, um, and I don't know the ones who haven't told me, um, that they take orders at the show. And so if you've got someone who's interested in buying a bike from you, you know, it'd be a good idea to have a stool for them to sit on when you go through those questions with them. Yeah, for sure. And just... You know, I'm, I think uh, I remember Chris Chance had uh, stools in his his booth at one year, or maybe that was at Nabs, maybe that was at Philly. But I remember sitting down with him for a little while. It's nice, actually, because you know the people walking the show floor probably also might like to sit. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe that's a problem. Maybe you get somebody who just wants to sit down on your chair and, and bend your ear because they, <laughs> they don't want to get up again. I don't know, but uh, seems like good idea to bring some stools if, if it's, if you can, what's nice for me with the Philly show is that it's, you know, it's like a four or five hour drive. So I'm like, absolutely going to drive. I'm not going to fly. And for that, um, you know, I can bring within reason about as much stuff as I need to bring. And so if I wanted to bring stools, that's pretty easy. 
uh, I went to the North American Handmade Bike Show this last year in Sacramento, and that was not feasible for me to drive to. So I flew, and that's probably going to be the case for me. As long as I live in Syracuse, New York, which is mostly on the East Coast, that show is usually not very close to where I live. And so for that one, you know, you're flying, and at that point, for me, it doesn't seem like it's worth shipping something like a stool, you know. So you, right. <laughs> you know, you're going to ship right. like the the least amount necessary. So this is nice for me with Philly. I can uh, I can just kind of bring along the stuff that makes sense to to bring. What I did this last yeah. year was I was late to the show because I had been working for months on getting my tube bender ready to sell, and the anodizers that you know, do the electroplating stuff on my, on my, uh, my parts, they do great work, but they were just slow to get it done. And I finally was calling them like two days before the show. And I'm like, I need this stuff. And I picked it up on Friday morning in Rochester, New York. And then I drove back to my shop and I machined a bunch of stuff on Friday when you're supposed oh to be goodness. loading into the show. And then I packed up my car and I drove and I got in late Friday. And then Saturday morning, I like I parked in a parking garage a couple blocks away and I carried it in in like three trips <laughs> and set oh, it all down. No. And it was like, it, it worked, you know, but uh, definitely like when you can get there at on Friday and um, <laughs> when you can get there early on Friday and you leave yourself lots of time uh, is really nice for, for your own sanity. Yeah. And then to not be exhausted so that you can, you can make it out to the after parties and stuff is really nice. And yeah, it's, I think it's really good to <laughs> to leave yourself that time and be prepared. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, if you just want to make a pitch for why frame builders should consi consider exhibiting at your show, I think it's valuable. I think it's really valuable for networking, and I think uh, you know you can you can definitely sell some stuff when you go there. Uh, I mean, what what do you think is the the real sales pitch to builders that to convince them that it's worth their time and their money? Yeah, um, we don't have like a hard sell, um, but I think the benefits for the builders is what brings them back. Um, it gives consumers uh, exposure to the builders beyond the internet, like you were saying. You know, you don't need to be in a community per se. Um, but meeting in person, you know, reinforces their online image with the real world. So um, consumers can see, touch, and feel, um, and get that face-to-face -face interaction with potential customers, um, you know, connect with your fans and previous customers. Um, you know, and also, as we know, there's so many builders, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, finding a builder um, that fits the customer's, you know, style and personality. And so this is a way that they can kind of, you know, chat with a bunch and see, um, you know, who's a good fit for them. Um, you know, we all know that like buying a custom bike turns into more than just like a transaction. It becomes a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's great to, you know, find someone that you really connect with. Um, and then, um, you know, all the builders can network with other builders uh, you know, keep up with products and trends across the industry since we have, you know, all the like component and tool companies and um, accessory companies as well. Um, we, you know, provide photography at the expo of um, the bike. So you get to have, you know, some great photos. You get to be in our family portrait of builders that we do every year. Mm -hmm. um, media coverage. Um we do our frame builder raffle every year. Uh, all registered frame builders um, get entered to 
win our like we usually have three or four raffle prizes um and they you know vary from you know five hundred dollar gift certificates to paragon um we've had wheel sets um we've had tubing um paint jobs all kinds of stuff so that's just kind of like a fun um bonus and then uh we don't have you know a whole bunch of awards um because we kind of like to keep it fun and non-competitive and so all we do is a people's choice award mm-hmm. um which does just kind of keep it in the spirit of fun yeah. um and whoever wins that um is the subject for the following year's um promotional poster yeah yeah i think uh the the prizes are something that i never noticed until this past year uh but you know there were there are all different prizes i think the big one was like a 500 dollars gift certificate to titanium joe uh, you know, you can buy yep. all sorts of titanium tubing and stuff. Uh, that's great. I, I, for, I forget who won that, but I remember I was there when that was getting raffled off and it's like, that's pretty exciting. That's a, you know, that's, that's a lot of a bike there that you can, um, you know, you just order the stuff up and, and build it. Uh, it's, it's cool that there's those prizes. I think people's choice is a lot of fun too. It, you're right. Like it keeps it in the spirit of fun because, um, you know, like at a show like NABS, there's all sorts of, uh, prizes and stuff, which, You know, I think people like when they win because uh, I've heard that it, you know, it kind of helps. You know, it's nice to be able to say that you won an award or something, and I've heard people say that that sells bikes. But at the same time, I know it's highly contentious that you know a lot of people get frustrated about the way that stuff gets judged, and you know the the kind of thing that wins a city bike. It's like, how is that a city bike? Like this is totally impractical or whatever. You know, it's like it's a can of worms, and uh, I can understand wanting to first of all like dodge that bullet of like maybe not judging it right but at the same time it's just like it's i think it's stress i think it's stressful i think a lot of people uh kind of get upset about how the how that stuff is done and for me like the point of the show isn't for me i don't know i I never saw the point of the show as being something where you can get recognized by like uh the official judge or something you know it's just like it's it's to make connections with the people who might be your customers and to uh, to network with other builders and to show your work and to see everybody else's gorgeous work. There's always just such an incredible amount of talent at those shows. And, you know, JP Weigel's got these amazing bikes and you have, uh, Chris Bishop is usually there and, and Brian Hollingsworth and just so many really talented builders. Uh, Drew from Engine Cycles, of course, uh, Rody from Groovy Cycle Works is usually there. There's just so many builders, uh, who are always showing just such amazing work and, yeah, and I got to give a shout out to Brian from Royal H, who's on his tenth year. Yeah, is is he the um, only single exhibitor it, who's been there every year? Yeah, my my dad doesn't get counted in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Brian's the only builder um, who's been coming every single year. So, mm-hmm. a shout out to him for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. He's uh he's always got a really cool booth with like. I don't know what it is that he decorates his booth with, but he, uh, I don't know if it's like loud. He has that tapestry. Yeah. Like oh, he's got that, that yeah. Yeah, it's great. And he's got little like photo books and stuff. He's, he's got it down. He, he like comes into town and he stays with some family. I think his uncle or somebody's in, in the area. And yeah, he's got it down. If you, uh, if you need to, if you need to ask somebody how to, how to be prepared for Philly Bike Expo, I'm sure he's the one. Right. <laughs> he, he would know by this point. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, I really appreciate you being on the call. Um, I mean, if there's any other messages you wanted to share with anyone who's interested in going or who might consider going, uh, you're, you're welcome to do that. Otherwise, uh, I'd thank you for being on the call. Yeah, sure. Well, um, for any builders who are still interested in signing up, we're like 90% full, which is a whole lot more full than we were this time last year. So if you're thinking about it, I'm here. Give me a call. Um, and for attendees, our tickets are on sale now for the expo. So you can go to the website and get your tickets ahead of time. And we hope to see you November 2nd and 3rd. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I should have signed up for the show sooner. I just signed up in the last week or something. And I can't complain to anyone but myself that I didn't I didn't have as many choices for where my booth was going to be as I would like. And that's fine. That's my own fault for snoozing <laughs> on it too long. But um, yeah, certainly next year I'm going to sign up sooner um, so that you get that primo booth placement. Because it doesn't really cost any more to get a better location, you just got to sign up sooner. In fact, I think there's an early bird no. discount, isn't there? Yeah, it's actually cheaper if yeah. you sign up early. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh. so we'll rub that in. And we're glad to have you at whatever time you sign up. Yeah. We'll yeah. I signed up again. real yeah. late last year. It was in October, I think, that I signed up last year. And Peter oh, so Alvady and I. Yeah. No, I signed up a lot earlier this year and still, yeah. But uh, anyhow, um, thanks so much for being on the call, Bina. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. See you at the show. Take care. Bye. Bye.